0: Good morning, church. It's Mitch Green, the missions pastor here. I'm thankful to be bringing the word to you this morning, um, but man, I wish we could be gathering together and we weren't doing this through a screen. Um, I really long for the day where we can get back together um, and worship. I'll be honest, week one, I was a little excited to be able to kind of worship on my own time. Um, There's a part of me that I just was excited for the fact that um, we could worship whenever we wanted that morning. And by week two, it had already gotten pretty old. Um, And so I miss you guys. I'm excited for us to get back together in the church, worshiping again, whenever that is. Um, This morning, we're going to be talking about Lamentations chapter 3. So you can go ahead and try to get there. Um, Just turn in your Bibles this morning, try to find it. It may be a book that you're not super familiar with. So I'll give you some time in my intro, um, just kind of talking about um, the book where you can kind of be looking for it as we go. Um, We're in the middle of a series called Getting Through What We're Going Through. Um, Week one, Scott talked about how to have faith in the midst of what we're going through. Week two, we talked about why we should have love in the midst of what we're going through. And this week, I'm gonna be talking about why we should have hope. Before I do that, let's get a little bit more just to the background of the book of Lamentations. Um, So Lamentations is a five chapter book in the Old Testament. It's actually five books of poems and it's a part of the biblical genre called Lament. Now, before you Google what does the word lament mean, I'll just go ahead and tell you what you'll find if you were to Google it this morning. Google would tell you that lament is a passionate expression of grief and sorrow. And this is pretty true, but biblical lament actually leads us to a place of hope. So the book of Lamentations is a masterful book. It's five chapters of poems, Um, and all of these poems are what are called acrostics. And see, what an acrostic is, um, I'm going to do my best to try to explain this this morning. An acrostic is the first letter of the first line of each line of the poem will spell out a word or spell out a phrase. In Jeremiah's case, these letters actually spell out the Hebrew alphabet. Did you catch that? Jeremiah is so frustrated with God and the circumstances that he's found himself in that he has a frustration for every letter of the alphabet four times. The only reason that chapter 5 doesn't follow this pattern, scholars believe that the reason that he didn't do this in chapter 5 was because he wanted to express the disorder and the chaos that was going on in the world to God. He wanted to express that in the way that he wrote his poem, so he broke the order in the structure of the way that he was writing his poem. So what's Jeremiah frustrated about? All right, so Israel has found themselves to where Jerusalem has been taken over by the Babylonians. This is in about 587 BC, and it's been taken over, and Jeremiah records poetically what is happening in the city. He says people are dying. He says the rich are now poor. He says that they can't find food. There's no more drinking. There's nothing, no more celebration. There's no partying in the cities. He says there's no more music. He says that they found themselves in this awful place. And he's voicing this to God saying, God, where are you at in the midst of this circumstance that they found themselves in? And see, I don't think our situation is quite as bad as Jeremiah's. But we found ourselves in an interesting situation. And see, we're all in this together. Another thing that makes Lamentations unique is that it's what's called a city lament, meaning it's actually the entire city is expressing their frustrations with God for the circumstance that they've found themselves in. But see, what we learn from the book of Lamentations isn't just how to be frustrated. See, we learn how in the midst of frustration to actually have hope and to wait on the Lord. So turn with me to Lamentations chapter 3. That's where we're going to be at this morning. Um, And I'll read for us and then we'll pray and we'll jump right in. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 18. My endurance has perished. So has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait on him, to the soul who seeks him. Let's pray. Father God, I pray as we look at this, what may seem ancient um, story of lament, God, um, these poems written by Jeremiah, I'm um, God, that you will show us how in the midst of our suffering that we can have hope in you, God. How that our mourning, our tears, our fears, and our pains can ultimately move to having hope in you, Jesus. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So in this book, Jeremiah, we can just see through his example four different phases of lament. And I'm going to cover all those this morning, but I'll let you know what they are up front just so you can kind of have an idea of where we're going. And see, first, we see Jeremiah doing a lot of voicing his frustrations with God, telling God why he's frustrated about the things that he sees that are going on, as if God doesn't already know, but he's voicing these frustrations to him. And then secondly, we see Jeremiah begin to ask himself, what is God teaching me in the midst of what we're going through? And then third, we see Jeremiah turn and he reminds himself of God's goodness. And then lastly, we see Jeremiah wait and hope on the Lord. And so we're going to dissect each of those this morning. So first, let's talk about why we should voice our fears and frustrations with God. I want to ask you this morning if you've maybe struggled to feel like that's okay. I know that sometimes we think we can pretend to everybody else it's okay, everything's okay, and we can even do that ourselves to God, that we can find ourselves sitting around just saying, oh, I'm going to act like everything's normal, when in fact things are not normal right now. And we think we can hide that to God. See, what Jeremiah models for us, and this is modeled in other passages of lament throughout the Old Testament, that it is okay for you to let God know how you feel. Because guess what? He already does. And in fact, it's good for you to let God know about how you feel about the circumstance. We can't just act like things are okay when they're not. What Lamentations teaches us, that it's okay to be really real with God. To sit before him and say, God, here's how I feel about what's going on. But we can't stop there. See, the second phase of lament that we learn from Jeremiah is this, that we have to ask ourselves, what may God be teaching us in the midst of this trial? Scott did an incredible job a few weeks ago talking about where God is at in the midst of the storm. He gave us a really good picture of just the macro sense of how is God in control and why we can have faith in him. I'm going to get a little bit more in the weeds with us this morning on it. And I want to ask us this question. Has God been teaching you anything? See, I know he's been teaching me some stuff. For me, um, I've realized how little control I actually have over my life. See, a few weeks ago, I found myself um, and we found ourselves here at the church having to make the decision, which we thought was going to be our decision, on if we were going to be able to still go to Israel or not. Um, And we wanted to go and we wanted to go bad. And then ultimately, that just became more and more of something that wasn't possible. It wasn't going to be a reality. That was the first step of me learning mm, I can't control if we're going to Israel or not. And then after that, my wife and I, we decided, you know, if we can't go to Israel, why don't we go to Florida? You know, that'd be great. Like, let's go to the beach and let's have some warmth. Well, you know, as things continued to get worse, guess what? We didn't get to go to Florida either. And now here I find myself trying to dig through the pantry to find enough items to figure out how to piece a meal together. Because I know if I go to the grocery store, I'm probably not going to find the thing I need either. See, in the midst of this, God is teaching me how much little control I actually have over the circumstances in my life, that I don't have control, and I think that I do. See, I don't know what it is for you. It's probably something different for all of us. But again, as I talk to people and we look at things like the market— We think about maybe you were ready to retire this year or you were ready to retire in a few weeks and all your hope was into your 401k to be right where it was gonna be at at the right time for you to be able to retire. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe for some of us, we're sitting here and our escape was work. Maybe work was the place that we got away from dealing with the things that we need to deal with in our family. And now we're all shoved in the same home and it's forcing us to have the conversations that we've always needed to have. See, I'm not trying to say that you are responsible for the circumstance that you found yourself in. But what I'm saying is we're kidding ourselves if we don't act like God's teaching us something in the midst of this. See, Jeremiah was very clear on what he thought God was teaching them. See, the people of Israel had continued to sin. They had continued to disobey God, to move away from him, that he understood this was why they found themselves in These circumstances. He knew very clearly that this was why God was teaching them this lesson, was that they needed to trust in God and not ultimately trust in themselves. So friends, again, it's good to voice our frustrations to God. We absolutely should do that, but we can't sit there. We have to move on and ask ourselves, what is God teaching us? But again, we can't just stop there. We can't just sit and say, I've learned this lesson because, again, we got to continue on from there. The third phase of lament that Jeremiah models for us is this. We have to remind ourselves that God is faithful. See, I mentioned earlier that Lamentations is a poetic masterpiece. I I love this book, um, again, because its structure is so unique. Um, It's a very unique book in the Bible. But one of the other things that makes Lamentations an absolute masterpiece is its ability to quote other sections of Scripture throughout the Old Testament. See, in chapter 3 alone, the passage that we're looking at, in chapter 3 alone, Jeremiah quotes Job. He quotes the Psalms. He quotes Isaiah all for one purpose. See, what Jeremiah is trying to do in this is Jeremiah is trying to show the reader that he is identifying in the suffering of other people throughout the Old Testament. Not just for the sake of saying that their suffering is similar, but for this purpose. He's identifying in their suffering because God has proven faithful to them. What Jeremiah is doing here is he is recognizing that God is faithful. God's always been faithful. And God is faithful in the midst of what he is going through. We see this in the passage. The passage that we read this morning, it begins with, So I say to myself, And so I get this picture that Jeremiah is actually sitting there and he's just repeating to himself over and over again. Look at how bad things are. Look at how awful things are going. Oh man, how are we going to get by with this? And man, what's going on with the people? And God, where are you? And he's saying it over and over and over and over again. And then we see in verse 21, he turns. Verse 21, he says this, but this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. See, Jeremiah voices his frustration to God. I mean, they are in a rough situation. People are dying. They can't find food. I mean, he, he describes his pain as one point in the story, as if God was dragging his teeth across gravel. I mean, he is being really real with God about how he feels about the circumstance that he finds himself in. He also learns that God is teaching him something in the midst of this. But third, he moves to have hope in the Lord because he knows that God is faithful. So he calls this to mind. And so my question to us this morning is in the midst of this trial, what are we calling to mind? You know, I've expressed this to um, those on our staff, but one of my favorite things, and I mean this for me personally, because I am in the trenches just as much as all of us here. On Sunday mornings from about nine to noon are the most peaceful hours of the week for me on social media. And here's why, because churches have taken over the social media feeds. It's forcing me to focus in on worship. It's forcing me to focus on what God is doing. As Jeremiah says, it helps me call to mind that God is faithful in the midst of what we're going through. So what are we reminding ourselves of? Because, see, friends, God has proven himself faithful. For Jeremiah, I mean, get this. this is, these are the reasons why God is faithful. Jeremiah is just looking back. He's just purely looking back at what God's done in the past, and he's saying God is faithful because I've seen him faithful to these people at these times in this story. Therefore, God will be faithful again. But see, friends, we have a hope even greater than that. See, God is faithful for us because he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. We no longer have fear of death because of Jesus, because we can rest in the hope of Jesus Christ on the cross. I love the way that Paul says it in the last two verses of Romans chapter 8. This is verse 38. He says, for I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, death has no more sting. See. We don't just hope in God to get us through our circumstances. We hope to God because we know that God is outside of our circumstances, that God is in control and we can rest in him and we have eternal security no matter what happens on this side of the world. For Jeremiah, it gets kind of interesting. See, the fourth phase of lament that's modeled by Jeremiah is to wait on the Lord. See, we see Jeremiah... Um, In this story, he writes these five poems, he retreats to go write them in the midst of this trial. But it's not as if the trial gets fixed right away. It's not as if everything goes back to normal just weeks later. It's not as if he writes about things going back to normal. In fact, the book ends and things are right in the situation that they were when he began to write the poems. Things have not changed. But see, Jeremiah instructs his people to wait on the Lord. Why? because we know that God is faithful. So we wait, we wait for the circumstance. So it's really interesting, um, and Adam Trotter mentioned this earlier this morning, but you know, this Sunday is Palm Sunday. And 600 years after Jeremiah wrote the book of Lamentations, Jesus comes riding through the streets on a donkey. The people chanting, Hosanna, the Lord, has come and see what this shows us is that they waited they waited for God to deliver so friends we have hope in God for who he is and what he's done in the midst of our storm because God is faithful God has proven himself faithful in the past God has proven himself faithful through Jesus Christ and God has promised us an eternal security in him we hope in Jesus, because Jesus is outside of the circumstances that we're going through. I love the way that uh, Charles Spurgeon puts it in his Sermon on Lamentations chapter 3, which I'd encourage you to go look it up. Um, It's way better than anything I could give for us this morning, but Charles Spurgeon says this. He says, The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. You've lost much, Christian, but you've not lost your portion. Your God is your all. Therefore, if you have lost all, but God still, you have your, God still you have, you have your all because God is all. The text doesn't say that God is part of our portion, but the whole portion of our spirit. In him, we have all the riches of our heart concentrated. We can, we can, how can we be bereaved since our father lives? How can we be robbed since our treasure is on high? It is the daylight and the sun is shining bright, and I have a candle lit, but someone blows it out. Shall I sit down and weep because my candle is extinguished? Nay, not while the sun shines. If God be my portion, if I lost some earthly comfort, I will not complain, for heavenly comfort remains. See, friends, God is our portion. We rest because of the risen Jesus. So I want to ask you this morning, again, I don't know where you're at, but for some of us, we probably need to just should have paused this thing at the very beginning and just asked ourselves, have we voiced our frustrations to God? Have we recognized that that's okay? That we can, in the midst of what we're going through, out loud, tell God how we feel. That we can say to him that we're frustrated with our present circumstances. For some of us, we probably need to ask ourselves, is God teaching me something about ourselves in the midst of what we're going through? Am I learning things that I didn't know about myself before? Did I think my trust was in God and now I'm learning that as my back's against the wall, that maybe I didn't trust him as deeply as I thought I did before? Is God teaching you things about yourself? But for all of us, we need to remind ourselves of God's faithfulness. C.S. Lewis says it like this, He says, pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Again, nobody's saying this morning who is responsible for the situation that we find ourselves in. But we are saying that it's good to ask ourselves, what could God be teaching me in the midst of this? So you can voice your frustrations to God. You can ask him, what is he teaching you? You can remind yourself of God's faithfulness, but ultimately this all leads to the point of waiting and hoping on the Lord in the midst of the circumstance that we find ourselves in. Let's pray. Yeah, Father God, Lord, I'm so, so thankful that you've proven yourself faithful. Um, God, that we can trust in you because you're outside of this storm. And God, that you're the Lord of the storm. And Father, I thank you that you allow us to come before you and be really real with how we feel about what we're going through. And Father, that you give us the freedom um, to understand and to grow and to look more like your son. God, I pray that you're using this circumstance to edify us, to grow us, to live and look more like you. And Father God, I'm so, so thankful that you sent Jesus so that when the midst of this storm that we have hope and that we can rest in the midst of what we're going through. So, Father God, we wait. We wait on you, Lord. It's your Son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen.